you know, folks, God is rich toward us in here. He's really rich toward us in his presence. He's rich in his grace and mercy. Sometimes it's hard to minister in such an environment when we're conscious of him in such a special way. And it's so precious, we don't want to do anything or say anything that would disturb or we just take away from what God's doing in us right now. So we want to speak about the Son of God, for the Holy Ghost will always lift him up. And turn with me to the book of Lamentations, please. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. This is the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And while you're looking that up, I just want to read a a verse to you. And it's our usual verse we read. This may well be, it should be, it should be the last on this series, but God's great and glorious gospel. Let me read 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 while you're looking up Lamentations 3. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Let's go to Lamentations 3, please. Judah, the southern kingdom, has been ravished over the years. And the last of it is about to fall. That is the city of Jerusalem and Judah. The last kings are there. They finally pay tribute for a few years until uh, the Babylonians entirely decimate them and bring them into Babylon. So this is Jeremiah and he's feeling, he's experiencing a little, it's a, a foreshadowing if you want, it's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's tree. Verse 1, I am the man that have seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness but not into light. Surely against me he has turned. He has turned his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and encompassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hue and stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait, and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was in derision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness and hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said, 
My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. I am a man that has seen affliction, says Jeremiah in verse 1. We looked at it a little last week as we closed. A man that has seen affliction as the people of Judah has been carried away. This is the ending. The house of Israel are now away around approximately 150 years. And now the southern kingdom of Judah have fallen in the same sin as their brethren or their sister nation in the north. And now Jeremiah who has preached unto them, who has witnessed to them, brought them the gospel. Brought them God's word. Brought them God's law. And they've thrown it all out as if there is no God. And they've taken no notice of what has happened in the northern kingdom. And it's been an example. It's been pointed to by him. They wouldn't listen. And there were so many has been taken away now. The city of Jerusalem, a, a pearl of great price among cities. In fact, the princess among the provinces, he calls it in verse 1. It's become desolate and it's become barren. And she lies in the gutter. The, the army of Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, has come in to sack the city. And they're taken away with hooks in their jaws. They're taken away into Babylon. And that's where we read uh, of the psalmist. And you know the pop group Boney M sang that song. Uh, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, there we wept when we remembered Zion. And that's one of the Psalms that they're taking it from. We haven't time to go into it, but they hang their, willow, their harps on the willows and they can't sing the song of the Lord in a strange land. And they know that they have fallen away and through judgment they are separated from God. Their sins have separated between them and the Lord. But in the carrying away, Jeremiah's lamenting. He's crying bitterly. He's lamenting because he sees the people he warned and he sees the people he loved. He sees his own kith and kin and he sees them carried away and he knows it's a terrible fate for many. And as he sees it happening, he's weeping and he feels it in himself. If they had just listened to him, I am a man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Here he feels it in his own very bones. The words that he's broken my bones isn't a literal translation. It's a pictorial evidence of how he's feeling. He says, I am feeling weak, pained, emaciated. He says, I am feeling the very wrath of God, as it were, as I look and see the affliction of God on those who turned away from his mercy and grace. So as he's weeping, we looked last week at Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 2. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Here he's saying, look at me. Is it nothing to you when you look at me? All of you who are passing by, do you not see the affliction in me? Do you not recognize what this has come to? Do you not see 
God's wrath. So as he's mentioning that, as I said, it actually reads in the Hebrew, is it nothing to you, all you who pass by the way? It was believed then round Passover time when the lamb was slain, that our Lord Jesus was crucified. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we could say, is it nothing to you, all ye who pass by the way? Passing by the Son of God and passing by the cross of Christ. Passing by him as though it were nothing. Is it nothing to you, all ye who pass by? Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4 says, Surely hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, listen, smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And Yahweh, or the Father, hath laid on him the Son, the iniquity, off us all. Verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Notice that. It pleased the Father to bruise his Son. It pleased Yahweh, Almighty God, to bruise the Son of God. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Here the Father says at the banks of the river Jordan, as Jesus is baptized of John the Baptist, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Yet now he sees him on the cross, and now as he watches him bleeding and dying, the Father knows. It was the Father who sent him to it. Isn't that amazing? He sent him to it. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why? Why would the Father give up his only begotten Son? Why would he give him up and be pleased to bruise him and to afflict him and to see his soul poured out like a drink offering? It's like I was to grab this glass of water I have here and and pour it out over the ground. It's the idea of it. Please the Father to watch him hang on the cross until he poured himself out before the Father. The soul of the Lord Jesus Christ poured out before God. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. In other words, in John 3.36, we are told this simply because it cost heaven so much. It cost the Father his very heart. It cost God his very word. It cost 
the very center of glory. And so the one who rejects Christ and the one who turns away from him dies without Christ or should Christ return, they find that the affliction that is poured upon him was done for them and they rejected him. How can mortal man ever pay his debt? How shall a young man cleanse his way? It's impossible. Impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible to bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing. In other words, a child is born and a child will grow and they're unclean. They're shaping in iniquity and in sin did their mother. Did their mother carry them and conceive them? And yet we're told when they're born, they have Adam's nature. <laughs> Jeremiah says, I am a man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. There's none other but Christ has seen the real affliction. And when Jesus bore our sin on the cross, the Father's wrath was upon him that when you trust in him, when I trusted in him, all of the wrath that was upon me to come was then lifted of me because it had been placed upon him. So in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 2, says, He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. In our reading, we are told that the Lord has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, the Lord has called you from a life of darkness. There's a prophetic, a prophetic utterance here in the scattering of Israel where they were in darkness of the world, that is. But here, he has called us spiritually out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Notice this here also, that as, the, as in Lamentations 3 and verse 2, he says, He hath led me and brought me into darkness. Jeremiah is crying here. The, the idea is that Jeremiah looks and says, Look at the darkness that the Lord has led my life into. And I want to say something that in a sense... The Lord showed him the wrath and the darkness of it. But in the right sense, it was Israel, then Judah, then all the, of mankind who are in darkness. Their life, the depravity of their human nature. In other words, their complete and total inability to save yourself. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter how hard you try. No matter what you are, no matter how rich or poor, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter for all of us have the inability to save ourselves. And in that we are totally and completely lost. In darkness, walking about as dead men and dead women. Walking about in the 
sphere of this worldly life. And the Holy Ghost comes upon us and shines the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. That the Father has poured out our wrath upon him. The Lord Jesus Christ. And should we bow the knee and repent of our sin. And accept him as Lord and Savior. Then we are born again. We are forgiven of our sins. We are justified in his sight. And we are clothed in his righteousness. Adopted into his family. And you and I. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are sons and daughters of the living God. That is the glorious gospel. It says here he has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Robert Murray McShane, preacher from over 100 odd years ago, more than that. Listen to what he says. He says, a dark hour makes Jesus bright. In the darkness of of a life of a sinner, in the darkness of a life of a man and woman, the first little glimpse they get of Christ can lighten up their whole life, can illuminate their whole heart, and can take them from total obscurity and total darkness and bring them into his marvelous light. In Matthew, or Mark rather, chapter 15, verse 33, Christ hanging on the cross and dying says, When the sixth hour, it says, When the sixth hour was now come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. For three hours there was darkness that covered the whole land. There was no light of the sun. There's a miracle for you in itself. The sun who lights the heavens. The S-U-N, the sun that lights the stellar constellations that are around us. The sun that reflects of the moon to give us a lesser light by night. The sun that heats us during the day. For three solid hours, there was no light but darkness. God poured his wrath out upon his blessed son. He hath led me and brought me into darkness. If anyone could ever say this, if anyone could ever proclaim this was Christ himself, for he who left heaven's ivory palace and took on himself a body of flesh was led to the cross of Calvary and nailed to that tree and hung in darkness. For three hours. John chapter 1 verse 5 says. Of Christ the light shineth in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. In creation that total darkness. The Lord says let there be light. And there was light. You see darkness only exists in the absence of light brother. Darkness only exists in the absence of light, sister. And if you're in your workplace and it's dark, you'll shine brighter if you love Christ. 
When you're going and you meet someone and you try to help them in the name of Jesus, you try and bring them the word of God, or or you're coming to proclaim that Christ is Lord, or you're coming even simply to lend a helping hand to show Christ in you, or praying for them if they're sick or in need, and you're there for them, you're bringing light into their darkness. And that life of complete, total hopelessness and helplessness, they see a glimpse of Christ that lightens up their darkness. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And when we bring Christ, we bring the light of Christ. And the light of Christ will bring life to men and women who are in darkness and in their deep dyed sin, in their helplessness, in their hopelessness. Darkness only exists in the absence of light. And yet when you look, and yet when I look at the cross of Calvary, in total darkness, the only thing that we can see is Jesus' lovers. The only thing that I can see in a world of darkness, the only thing that I can see in a universe of darkness, the only thing that I can see on Golgotha's hill is not a thief to the left and another thief and transgressor to the right. That's not what I see. I don't see the Roman soldiers and a a jeering Jewish mob. I don't see any of it. All I see is a light shining in the darkness, the cross of Christ. That's all we see. Fixed on him. Notice this. Look at Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 5. For he hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. See the word builded against me? It gives the idea of when they were coming up to Jerusalem, they built great big mounds of earth. Over time that was, or else any other city that they were attacking, around the outside of the city there was no escape. They couldn't flee. They couldn't get out. They had encompassed it. They had brought it around. They were hemmed in. They were unable to move. And Jeremiah said, he's builded against me. Do you ever say to you, you hear people saying, God, why did you do that? The enemy was doing it. God wasn't doing it. God had made a plan of escape for all whenever he had told him his word. And God has made a plan of escape for us all by giving us his word. And the enemy likes to build against it. And the enemy likes to build a rampart and there's no way out. But yet, whenever we look at it, all we can see and blame is God. He's built it against me. They couldn't get out. They were hemmed in. And then look at what it says. Encompassed me with gall and travail. The idea here is that the gall and travail is trouble and bitterness. That's what it means. Trouble and bitterness. Listen to Psalm 69 verse 21. Prophetic almost a thousand years before the cross. They give me also gall for my meat. And in my thirst they give me vinegar to drink. Now listen to Matthew 27 and verse 34. They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. In other words, he wouldn't drink it because uh, there, there was an anesthetic in some of it. 
He didn't want to have a foggy mind going into eternity with his father. He didn't want to say, well, I I took an easy way out. But he said, I feel everything that father you have to give me in order to save a wretch like Ken Davidson and those in Donna Cloney Elton. I'll take it all. Lamentations chapter 3 again, please. He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. In other words, he's looking back to the patriarchs. He's looking back to the old prophets. He's saying, they've set me as though I'm dead. I'm dead. And when Christ, we're told in Psalm 22 and verse 1, again, 1,000 years before, Psalm 22 is known as uh, the, 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 the psalm of the cross. Psalm 23 is known as the psalm of the crook. And Psalm 24 is known as psalm of the crown. The cross, the crook, and the crown. And here at the cross, it says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me from the words of my roaring? And of course, the Lord Jesus in Mark 15 he says this during these hours of darkness, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted as my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The word forsaken here is the word ankatalepo. And listen to what it means. It means to leave totally, to totally abandon, to desert, and to leave helpless. To leave helpless. You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read of Paul writing to young Timothy. Let me just show you if you'll turn for one moment, please. 2 Timothy chapter 4, please. And notice what is said here. Let your eye run down to verse 10. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. Paul says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed into Thessalonica, and Crescens into Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. Here, Demas has loved this present world. And Demas goes into the world and forsakes Paul. Paul is under house arrest or prison. Paul is housebound. Paul has no friends. Paul has no family. Paul has no visitors. Paul is desolate. Paul hasn't even got his coat with him. Paul has nothing. All he had were those who said they loved Christ to stand with him. And Demas, he says, hath forsaken me. Demas has left me totally abandoned, deserted. He's left me helpless. He says, even the like of Crescens isn't with me. He's away to Galatia. And even when we look, he says, Titus is away to Dalmatia. So in this, he says, there are those who are away in ministry who can't help. But the one that I relied on, he says, the one person I thought I could count on, he's forsaken me. And so I run down to verse 17. Let's go to 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be led to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me 
and strengthen me that by me the preaching might be fully made known that all the Gentiles might hear and that I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul is saying, they have all forsaken me, left me helpless. But there's one who has never left me. There's one who has never forsaken me. There's one in the prison stands with me. There's one as I'm housebound walks beside me. There's one when I have no coat, he covers me. There is one, he says, who will neither leave me nor forsake me. But notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Christ is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Notice this. There are so many of these I could show you, but Jesus Christ, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Lamentations 3 and 8, you hear this reiterated. Lamentations, please, chapter 3 and verse 8. I just get my place here. And when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. Did you see that? And when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. When we look at this and we go into verse 9, it says, He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. Jeremiah, what are you talking about? Some say, Oh, they threw him down the pit. Yeah, he was in a pit, but he was back out again. He's enclosed my ways with hewn stone. Does it not say in Luke 23, verses 52 and 53, speaking of Joseph of Arimathea? We're told that this man went on to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus and he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher. Listen, that was hewn in stone. Wherein never man before was led. Is this not the Lord showing prophetically? Is this not the Lord showing, uh, showing you and I, but showing those of Judah then? Look, you are going to be absolutely uh, decimated and scattered, but there's coming a time when I will send one who will take your place, who will come into your darkness, who will shine his light to call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is what we're being shown here. Lamentations 3, verses 12 and 13. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. Verse 13. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I intend to finish in a moment. I have a lot of things I would want to show you to bind this up into prophecy, but time's gone. I don't want to... Don't want to stress any more than this. I want to focus around Christ and Calvary just. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. Now notice this. This is very important. It's a telltale sign of what happened at Golgotha. The word here, arrow, is the word kahits. Kahits. And it gives the idea of an iron tip. 
i.e. an arrowhead or a spearhead. And Jeremiah says, he has shot me with a spearhead. But that's not literally didn't. So it has to be prophetical of something. The word arrow is the word kahits. Iron or iron tip or spearhead or arrowhead. Now let us read Lamentations 3 and verse 13. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reign. See the word arrows. It's a different word altogether. Now catch this here. I want you to grasp this. It's the word being. Being. And this is what it means. It means people, nation, and also it characterizes sons of injustice. Sons of injustice or unrighteous men. Now, would you have thought that that's what that meant? So listen, let's read it. He hath bent his bow, set me as a mark for the arrow or the iron tip of a spearhead or arrowhead. He hath caused the arrows. He hath caused the people or this nation. And also he has caused the, the sons of injustice and unrighteous men. The ones of his quiver to enter into my reins. Notice they're off his quiver. Whose quiver? Off the Lord's. Born ones of God. Now I'm not saying born again. I'm talking about the nation of Israel and Judah that were born of him. Here the Judah or, or where we get the name now Jews from. They, they, they're the ones who we're talking about. And this is prophetical of a Roman soldier who comes and puts a spear in the side of Christ. They are unrighteous men, but the ones of his quiver were the Jewish rabbis who stood around him crying for his crucifixion. Look with me to Psalm 22. Remember the Psalm of the Cross. The Psalm of the Cross. Psalm 22, please. Just let your eye run down for a moment. To verse 16. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. Now I notice two different types around this cross. The dogs and the assembly of the wicked. Who are the dogs? Roman Gentile soldiers. Who is the assembly of the wicked? The Jewish Pharisees. So we see when we come back to this, you can see that the sons of his quiver were those we're told in John 1 and 11, he came on to his own and his own received him not. Surely this is God's great and glorious gospel where he would seek and search us out. And find all those who are lost. 
We're coming to a close. Thank you for your attention. Lamentations chapter 3. Please, again. Lamentations chapter 3. Let your eye. We're just jumping over this for time's sake. Chapter 3, verse 14. I was in derision to all my people and their song all the day long. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. I was in derision to my people, to, the, to all the people and their song all the day long. Notice this, Luke 23 and verse 35. And the people stood beholding, and rulers also with them, deriding him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. What did we read in Psalm 22 and verse 7? All they that see me laugh to scorn. They shoot out their lip. They wag their head. Brothers and sisters, surely when we read this, we see the cross of Christ. Is it nothing to you, all ye who pass by? Arrows have went into him. And Jeremiah stands lamenting and weeping. They're carried away. That's around six. The last deportment is roughly, well, so their deportments around about 621 BC. There's others. But around about that time, and you take the seven times punishment God gives in the book of Numbers, you find that is the times of the Gentiles that Jesus speaks about which are being fulfilled. And they come to an end in the year 1917. 1917, this world changed. The whole world changed. The birth of communism. The lying visions of the shepherd children in Portugal changed the world. Here's something else changed the world. Allenby the general, the British general, liberated Jerusalem as birds flying, was sending over planes. Liberated Jerusalem, and the doors opened up for him to walk through the Jaffa Gate, ending the seven times punishment of Judah. Jerusalem was then off and finished with the times of the Gentiles. You can see God's glorious gospel bringing us into the last days. I'm going to bring to you maybe next week. I can put it under a different title and not really matter. I'm going to show you how there are things in the Bible that show the woman in the wilderness who gives birth to a child. And that woman who gives birth to a child, she's in... Uh, uh, she's attacked by the dragon, Satan. The woman's carried with eagle's wings into a wilderness and her son's carried off into heaven. The Roman Catholic Church will tell you it's Mary. Some people say it's the church. And, but I want to tell you something. Did the church give birth to Jesus or did Jesus give birth to the church? Jesus gave birth to the church, so it can't be a church. The woman had 12 stars around her head. The woman had the moon at her feet and the sun 
around her. Who is she? She's carried into the wilderness and the sun goes to heaven. I'll tell you who she is and I'll show you more next week and I'll prove it in the scriptures. She is scattered Israel. Twelve tribes. Sun and noon. What are they? The book of Genesis will tell you. And the Lord's will will find out next week. We'll look at a second coming and we'll wrap it up and we'll keep it under the same title, Denise, instead of having to worry about another title, Kyle, okay? God bless you. Here is the cross of Christ.